We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to a Monday episode of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host. Patrick Moran, thank you as always for locking into the show, whether you're watching this on our YouTube channel, whether you're listening to this audio podcast version, wherever you listen to your podcast, appreciate you all very, very much. Uh, We're going to talk today, I'm solo by the way, Um, I'm going to talk today about some of the biggest winners and losers from a Buffalo Bills preseason The only word I could think of to describe that Saturday game at Pittsburgh is a debacle, just an ugly ass football game for the Buffalo Bills. Fortunately, it was a preseason game and we're not going to overreact too much to a lot of things that we saw. But I will say this too, folks, I'm also not going to sit here and underreact and act like some of the things that we're seeing on Saturday or last week or throughout training camp, like. Like they're not nothing or like they are nothing, I should say. They are something. There are some things going on with this football team that is concerning. And we're definitely going to talk about at least a handful of those on this episode of Talking Buffalo today. And again, if you're looking to find out where to follow, I changed a couple handles. That's why I'm talking about this right now at the top on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. They're all at Patrick Moran. TV. And yes, I did say Instagram and TikTok. Up until about a week or so ago, I pretty much used exclusively uh, my Twitter to promote this podcast. But now we're starting to do some video clips and things like that with Instagram and TikTok as well. So make sure you follow us there. Then, of course, on Facebook and YouTube, it is Talking Buffalo Podcast. Just type in the search box, uh, Talking Buffalo Podcast YouTube side, of course. Please subscribe. Uh, like, comment on these shows. That's what helps us grow. It helps the algorithm when it comes to YouTube. So please uh, do that. And uh, I appreciate you guys. Before we get into uh, Saturday's, again, debacle in Pittsburgh, I want to remind people, if you didn't check it out last Thursday, go back and listen or watch on YouTube. I had um, K 
Catherine Fitzgerald from the Buffalo News and Elena Getzenberg from ESPN.com, both excellent Buffalo Bills beat reporters uh, on the show live from Imperial. That's been part of that live from Imperial series uh, that I've been doing. And I got to tell you, man, that shit is so much fun. Like, I like doing these solo and talking to you when I'm looking right into a camera. And I love having guests on, hooking up on StreamYard or Zoom or however we do it, where you're interviewing somebody. But there's only so much you can get out of a conversation, I believe, anyway, when you're interviewing or having a conversation with somebody through a computer. When you're sitting there in person, having a live face-to-face conversation about whether it's the Bills or football or Buffalo or whatever, wings, whatever it may be, it's just a different dynamic. And I absolutely love the dynamic of being able to sit down and and have face-to-face conversations with interesting people. I think those shows, I mean, I like all my episodes, of course, but those shows just seem to do it for me a little bit more. And I think more, I think people get a little bit more out of them uh, when we have those types of conversations. But anyway, go back and watch it. That was a lot of fun to do last Thursday night. I got to say though, real quick, and then we'll get into some winners and losers from that game, I promise you. But I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. So we taped the show last Thursday. Um, probably got done around nine o'clock or so. Packed up all the shit that I, you know, I got to pack up my podcast stuff and bring it back home to, to process the audio and the video and get it up online, all that stuff, all that fun stuff, I should say. Um, shortly after I got home, news broke that Rick Jenneret died um, Thursday night at the age of 81. And obviously, extremely sad. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say too much about it. I really don't know uh, what I could add. I don't know what I could say that hasn't already been said about Rick Jenneret. Um, just heartfelt tributes coming in from people he's worked with, from so many current and former savers in the organization, to uh, the tribute that they got going on outside the arena. In fact, right now where fans could come in and see a nice little shrine and they're playing some of his most famous calls um, on the loudspeaker on loop. That's been awesome. Very, very, very sad news. The only two things I will say real quick. Um, I'm happy. So many times when a legend passes away, they kind of miss that moment. Like a lot of like some people will go into the hall of fame or they'll, they'll be a, a night honoring them or whatever it may be when they're not here to, to be around and enjoy it. I'm very, very happy that Rick Jenneret was still alive and here when the Sabres had a uh, RJ night, not all that long ago. Um, he, he was there to appreciate it, to, to feel the love, to be immortalized by, from the fans and the players, the organization. I'm just, I'm really happy that he was around for that. And then the other thing I'm going to say, and I tweeted this out actually, um, got a pretty good response from this. And and I truly, and I mean this too, Uh, if you're watching or if you're listening, I should say, uh, let me read what I tweeted because I think this sums up best how people feel about Rick Jenneret. I said, I don't know a bunch of professional sports organizations that have been around for over 50 years where you can make a reasonable argument that the team's broadcaster is the most popular person in the entire history of the franchise. That's true, ain't it? I mean, you got Gilbert Perot and you got Hasek, you got Ryan Miller, 
Regenerate's right there with all of them. He is as popular and as beloved as anybody has ever been in this Sabres organization. And that is much deserved. And for me personally, probably one third, I'd say, of that soundtrack of, you know, that sports soundtrack of my life. Phil Rizzuto growing up as a kid, Yankee games, Van Miller with the Bills, and uh, Rick Jennerette with the Sabres. So anyway, just really, uh, really sad news. And my thoughts and prayers are with the family and his loved ones, of course, like all of you as well, I'm sure. Uh, just a big loss, man. A big, big loss to uh, the Sabres, to, to the Sabres family and to this uh, community and, and to the organization. So that sucks. Um, staying on that theme of this sucks, that Bills game on Saturday just sucked. Uh, quick story, too. So Saturday, I went out. My friend had a, a birthday party. Shout out Kaylee. And I went there with a couple of my buddies. And my buddy Mike was there. It was about maybe an hour before the Bills game. And the plan was to sit there, hang out in the yard, have some drinks, listen to some tunes, you know, shoot the shit with your friends, and then go inside when the Bills game started. At least we were going to go inside, my, my friend Mike and I, because no one else seemed to have any interest in the Bills preseason game. Anyway, uh, they don't have cable at that house, which is not, it's not really that uncommon nowadays. Many people don't have cable. They've cut cable and they rely on streaming services and stuff like that to, to watch their shows. Well, the Verizon files went down in that area. So there was no internet either. So there was no way to watch the game there. And I live maybe 10 minutes away from, from where we went. So my buddy Mike and I went, made the decision to go back to my house and watch the game. Wish I didn't do that because that shit was not fun. I was having a good time at a party and I left to go watch this absolute debacle. The Buffalo Bills just looked terrible in this game. And yes, preseason. I get it. I know. We talked about this, my buddy and I, Mike, during the game. Thank God I can remember. I'm old enough to remember when the Bills would go to the Super Bowl every year, just how awful they were in the preseason. Because this was bad bad and i'm going to talk i'm going to break down just like i did last week a handful of winners and a handful of losers and maybe that's not the best term but i'm going to keep using it so basically it's people who have really helped themselves or positions that really help themselves this game or conversely uh people or positions that really took a hit that hurt their stock um in this game and again i want to admit this a lot of takes Preseason, especially, are kind of like overreactions. We overreact to things. I get that. I'm going to try not to do that. Like I said, though, I'm not going to underreact either because I'm not going to pretend like some things that we're seeing is not nothing because it is. And we'll hit on some of those. But I have three things, three, that are definitely not overreactions. I think at this point, they're very warranted and they're very thought out. And very measured. It's not a knee-jerk reaction when I talk about these things. Because there's three problems with the Buffalo Bills right now. Big problems. And I get it. There's 31 teams around the NFL that have problems somewhere on their roster. There is not a flawless roster in the league. There's not a team that is without problems. You know, the Miami Dolphins, their offensive line stinks. The New York Jets, and they're getting a lot of injuries. The New York Jets, their offensive line stinks. 
There's lots of teams, lots of problems. I get that. But when it comes to the Buffalo Bills, they're no different. They're no exception. And there's definitely three things that I want to talk about. The biggest one, or not the biggest one, because they're all equally big to me. Tyrell Dodson is a problem. Middle linebacker is a problem for the Buffalo Bills. When Jermaine Evans left for Chicago, man, I remember so well. And look, Jermaine Evans is a polarizing former Buffalo Bill. Opinions on him were so strong. Either you love him and you love what he brought to the table, or you said he's very overrated. It doesn't show up in the biggest games. And I think there's a case to be made for both sides. But anyway, to me, what's not even disputable or debatable anymore is his loss is being felt. And I think that was to some extent expected. But the Bills lose Tremaine Edmonds, and they did zero, zilch, this offseason to address that. They didn't sign anybody. They didn't draft anybody. Well, they drafted Dorian Williams, but he's not even in the mix to play middle linebacker, at least not this year. So they went in the camp with Dotson and Terrell Bernard and Baylen Spector. And those are going to be a three-headed race for seeing who's going to win the starting job. And then A.J. Klein's kind of like in the background in the mix somewhere. Well, Dotson has been almost handed this job in part because Terrell Bernard got hurt and Baylen Spector, for whatever it is, the Bills just, they had one practice with the ones and that was enough. I guess Sean saw enough. That was it. And Dotson has not taken the ball and run with it at all. I think I've been to five training camp practices and from when I, and I looked, I spent a lot of time watching that position during drills as much as you can during practice. I didn't like what I saw. And I've seen him play before. He could stuff the run at times, and he's lousy in pass coverage. That's the book on Dodson. I don't know what we expected. He was terrible in Pittsburgh Saturday. Awful. He got sealed on that one long run um, for by Warren. I'm pretty sure it was a touchdown that play, too, as well. He just, he looks awful. And Sean McDermott, who is usually, he doesn't give away too much during press conferences. He had a presser earlier last week, and he was critical of that linebacker position, talking about needing to improve there. And it kind of felt like a direct shot at Dodson. I just, I'm not liking what I see from him. I think middle linebacker is a big problem. Uh, Dodson not getting the job done. In fact, A.J. Klein ended up playing two series with the starters, the third and fourth series on Saturday. This was supposed to be a guy who was the four-string linebacker and going to get you know, stuck away on the practice squad in case something happened, injuries. But he might be your week one starter. In fact, I'd be willing to bet if next week's preseason finale against the Chicago Bears were that week one of the regular season, I'd be willing to bet money right now at this point that A.J. Klein and not Terrell Dodson would be your starter. That's how bad I think Dodson has looked, and it's not that Klein's looked great. Now, Terrell Bernard, He's, he's the one guy maybe with some upside at this position because he's young. He's only in his second year and he's been hurt. Maybe when he gets healthy, he ultimately becomes a starter. Maybe he plays pretty well. Let's hope so because I, you're not going to get that from Klein and, and Dotson. They're not going to be able to cover anybody. It's not going to be fun to watch. And I'm not a big Terrell Bernard guy and I've talked about this. I hope I'm wrong, obviously. But I think he's too small. And he's just, he's kind of like fundamentally sound. He's not an explosive player either. So if you're not going to be that big, you better be explosive. And I don't see that either.
I don't know. I just, middle linebacker is a problem. And so Spencer Brown. Spencer Brown is a problem. My God, was he terrible in Pittsburgh on Saturday. Oh my God, he was bad. Same deal, same philosophy. You look back to the offseason. What did the Bills do to, to offer any, any sort of competition for Spencer Brown? Zero, nothing, zilch, nada, nothing. Who did they draft? Nobody. Who did they sign? Nobody. Unless you count Brandon Shell way after the draft, who obviously is retired. More on that in a second. Spencer Brown has nobody to push him. I don't know what it is. I mean, I don't think he's going out there and not trying, but it just looks, I don't know, he's chilling. Man, it's just ugly, dude. It's ugly. He had not one, but two 10-yard penalties in the same drive on Saturday. Uh, he blocked somebody on the back on a Deontay Hardy screen, and then he wiped out what far and away was the best Bills play of the game, at least from the starters for sure. A long pass from Josh Allen to uh, Gabe Davis wiped out by a Spencer Brown hold, which to be fair, if to, to the referees, if they if he gets away or Spencer Brown's not holding, Josh Allen doesn't even get that throw off because Spencer Brown got beat bad. He just looks shitty. He, his snaps, he, he looks terrible in pass protection. I don't know what it is. When, whatever needs to click for Spencer Brown to become a good NFL right tackle, it's just not happening. And he should, by all rights, by the way he's played in his history, short history with this team, He's, his job should be in jeopardy right now. His starting job. But it's not. It's not. And there's only one reason why it's not. And that's my third problem with this team. That is legitimately a concern and not an overreaction based on one preseason game. And that's the offensive tackle depth. It stinks. It stinks. We talked, Brandon Shell retired. He was your top backup. To Spencer Brown, or who the hell knows? Spencer Brown plays like he did on Saturday. Maybe Brandon Shell eventually ends up starting because he has to, but it's not because he ain't playing no more. He retired. I'm not going to bash the guy for retiring. Who knows? I'm sure he has his reasons why he don't want to play football no more, and we'll respect those. But anyway, that's veteran depth that they had at the position at right tackle specifically gone. And now you have Tommy Doyle trying to come back from the ACL. Gets a big scare uh, against the Colts last week. Turns out to be just a bruised knee, gets right back on the field, and unfortunately suffered a significant, a major injury again to his knee, and it's as we tape this already Sunday night. He's already been ruled out for the season, so Tommy Doyle is done for a second straight year because of uh, his knee, and who knows if he's ever going to see a snap in the NFL again. Obviously, I hope he gets healthy and he's doing okay. That's the most important thing here, but again, this was a guy who potentially, the Bills use a draft pick on him, who could have been your swing tackle and he's gone. So you got shell gone. You got Doyle gone and you're left with David Quisenberry right now. And God, you know, I keep using this word stinks. Well, David Quisenberry stinks. I mean, he got beat so bad on a sack Saturday. Oh my God. He got abused. I'm not a David Quisenberry guy. I wasn't last year. I thought it was a terrible move bringing him back this off season, but the bills did that. And now as things stand right now, he's very likely your first tackle off the bench if something happens to either Spencer Brown or to uh, to Deion Dawkins. I will say, Ryan Vandermark at least is flashing some potential. I thought he played reasonably well on Saturday. I thought he played well 
against the Colts. At least when he was at left tackle, he played well against the Colts. Didn't look so good on the right side, which is what we're talking about mainly here. But he's an un... Are you going to trust... Are you going to go into a season wanting to trust your swing tackle job to a 2022 undrafted free agent? Because that's Ryan Vandermark right now. They're in... It's a troubled position. And I don't like talking about... You know, it just seems like anytime a veteran player, if you heard of him, if he's out there... Y'all, you always want to link him to, to the Buffalo Bills. I generally don't like that. But Jason Peters is a name that I think Bills fans, I think the Buffalo Bills should be interested in. He's 41 years old. Uh, he said over the weekend he plans on playing again this year. Naturally, he's going to be tied to the Buffalo Bills. And I'll tell you, in this case, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, he played like, what, 200 snaps with the Cowboys last year? Year before, he was full-time starter in Philly. This guy's a hell of a tackle. And he might be long in the tooth, and he's certainly not the, the future Hall of Fame offensive tackle that he once was. Are you going to sit here and tell me that at worst, he ain't better than David Quisenberry or Ryan Vandermark? I mean, come on. Maybe he could push Spencer Brown to, to, to be a better player. Maybe him being in a Buffalo Bills uniform can push Spencer Brown to, to new heights. Or hell, maybe he'll just take his job. I don't give a shit which one it is. But what I do know is middle linebacker's a problem, right tackle's a problem, offensive line depth, especially at tackle, is a big, big problem. Let's take a quick break. Winners and losers specifically from this game coming right at you again right after this break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back to Talking Buffalo. Getting into the winners and losers, specifically from this debacle in Pittsburgh over the weekend. Um, and again, we're going to do this like last week, too. So this is going to be kind of random. It's not like here's all my winners ranked from most important to least. And here's all my losers from this game ranked from most important to least. I'm kind of just smattering in there 
And uh, these are random, not necessarily in order of importance. But I will say this first one in the winner column, too, is significant to me. And that's Osiris Torrance. Um, I thought for a second straight week, he started for a second straight week at right guard. And I think he looked pretty damn good at guard for a second straight week. I thought it was really telling that he played with the starters. All the ones played, except for Dawson Knox, on Saturday. And he played, he might have played almost the entire first half. I thought he played really well. You know what they say about guards? The less you hear from them during the game, usually the better that they're playing. Certainly has been the case with Torrance. He looks early on, early on, we haven't even played a regular season game yet, but early on it looks like the Bills hit on a second round draft pick because I'll tell you, based on this, I think it's pretty much almost, if it's not a complete lock, it's nearly a lock that week one um, on Monday Night Football against the New York Jets, I think Osiris Torrance is going to be your starting right guard. I think he's looked good, and I think he's earned it. And I'm sure the Bills wanted to uh, hit on him and have him be the starter, not just because of his ceiling, but also because I think Ryan Bates is more useful as a, a utility guy. Which, by the way, I want to go back to before the break when I talked about offensive tackle and maybe solutions. Let's assume they don't sign Jason Peters. One solution potentially could be Ryan Bates working at right tackle or being the swing tackle. He's done it before. He's going to back up center in both guard positions, it seems. But Ryan Bates has played some tackle before. He's done it in training camp. He's done it in the preseason. At this point, I'm all for seeing how he looks at tackle because he can't possibly be worse than David Quisenberry. And who knows, man? Maybe he'll look better than Spencer Brown. Or if something happens, God forbid, to one of those two starters, uh, you got a guy and Ryan Bates, who's better there. Anyway, I want to throw that out there, but my main point winner, Osiris Torrance, I think he's your new starting Buffalo Bills guard for 2023. Loser, I hate saying that word. Maybe it's such a bad use of words because it's not like I'm calling it a loser, not necessarily a loser. Loser from this game and his stock plummeting, Matt Barkley. I mean, look, Kyle Allen looked pretty shitty in camp. I thought Kyle Allen looked pretty shitty against the Colts last week. And it's almost like Kyle Allen tried to gift Matt Barkley and say, hey, Matt, here you go, buddy. Here is QB2. I'll gift wrap for you. And Matt Barkley went out Saturday, looked at Kyle and said, nah, nah, I'm good. I'm good being the QB3. I'm a chilling on the practice squad, hang out at quarterback meetings every day. But, you know, I'm going to be QB3, man. I'm going to be on the practice squad. I don't need to be Josh's primary backup. This man, Matt Barkley, a guy who I like, by the way, and a guy who I gave a lot of credit to last week because I thought he played really good against the Colts. But as good as he played against the Colts, he was even worse against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Saturday. My God, man. Three picks, and those first two picks were some of the worst football quarterbacking decisions I've seen in quite a while. And the problem with Matt Barkley is he's a guy who, he's a smart quarterback. He's about timing, you know, and accuracy and getting rid of the ball quick. Kyle, or Matt Barkley does not, doesn't have the arm strength to make up for poor decisions. He just doesn't. Josh Allen makes some terrible decisions and he gets away with it because he's so physically gifted and talented, out of this world talented. Matt Barkley ain't that dude. When he makes bad decisions, he's going to pay for it. That shit was ugly on Saturday. Terrible. Kyle Allen played better. It was kind of a flip-flop from the week before. 
when Matt Barkley got out and played with more of the starters or higher up on the depth chart where Kyle Allen played uh, with the threes this week in Pittsburgh. And I thought Kyle Allen played reasonably well, but I'm still, my, 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 my doll process hasn't changed on the Bills' backup quarterbacks right now. I still think there's a reasonable chance that Brandon Mead goes to the outside and that maybe the, the QB2 is not even on this roster right now as we're taping this episode of Talking Buffalo. And we talked last week. I'll hit on him again. Case Keenum could be that guy. Could be a reunion coming in Buffalo. He's the three in Houston right now. They got Stroud. They got Mills. Maybe Houston doesn't keep three quarterbacks. Or even if they do, maybe Bean offers a seventh-round pick in 2027 or something to get Case Keenum back. And he's your quarterback, too, if that happens. Uh, last week, we talked about Sam Darnold. Don't see that happening anymore, though. I think he's pretty locked into being that QB2 in Frisco behind Purdy with Trey Lance being that eye guy out. And I don't think Trey Lance is a good fit for the Bills, not to mention, uh, you know, his contract. If he were to be a trade anyway, his contract, that's more than what you want to spend on a backup quarterback. So I, I don't see that happening. I'll tell you one guy, though, didn't talk about him last week, and I'm not a huge fan of him, but Mason Rudolph. We saw a little bit of him on Saturday. He could be available, whether maybe it's a trade or maybe he gets cut because Pittsburgh has Pickett and they have uh former Bill quarterback, Mitch Trubisky. So Mason Rudolph is a possibility, but anyway, just Matt Barkley, just God, he just threw away what might've been an inside track to be in the QB too. I feel like he threw it away on Saturday and I don't know if there's any coming back for it. So we'll see. Um, also on the losing end here, I hate saying this. God, I hate saying this, but I, I got to keep shit real with y'all. And that's Kyrie Elam. Um, I don't know what it is. He looks at times lost in coverage. Like he's not, not physically, just, I don't know what it is, man. He just looks like he's a little bit lost in coverage. He's wildly inconsistent. We've talked about it many times on this show, seen in the camp, seen in the preseason, seen it last, last year as a rookie. Makes some really good plays on the ball. And then he just blows some coverages and just, I don't know what it is, man. Just wildly inaccurate, frustratingly inaccurate, handsy as hell. I feel like we talk about this every week now with him. He got called for another pass interference penalty. This one in the end zone on Saturday against Pittsburgh. Uh, I thought it was noteworthy that Christian Benford came into the game on a day where the Bills, it was their dress rehearsal. We'll call it their dress rehearsal for the regular season opener. Christian Benford on the field before Kyrie Elam in place of Dane Jackson, who, by the way, short of something happening to Dane Jackson, I'm willing to bet big money right now that Dane Jackson is starting at corner. I, I think he's your starter. And I'm starting to think Christian Benford has surpassed Kyrie Elam on the depth chart. We certainly saw that at um, Saturday in Pittsburgh. I think we've seen it we heard about or read about it at least at practice during the week. Hate to say this shit, man, but again, I talked about this if next week was a week one of the regular season. I think if next week was week one of the regular season, I think Kyrie Elam is going to be chilling out in a Buffalo Bills sweatsuit on the sidelines because he's going to be inactive. I don't think right now, assuming the Bills would keep three outside corners and two inside corners, their 46-man game day active roster, I don't think it's going to include Kyrie Elam right now. And look, it's still early. He's only going into his second year. The, uh, the potential's there. The upside is there. So let's not write him off yet. But you're lying to yourself at this point. You're delusional at this point. 
If you don't look at Kyrie Elam and say, man, the Buffalo Bills are in danger of wasting a first-round pick in 2022 on a guy who just doesn't get it. He's your, four, he's your fourth corner right now, outside corner. He's fourth on that depth chart. He's behind Trey, behind Dane. He's behind Christian Benford. It's not promising. Anyway, I got him down, obviously, as, as a loser from Saturday. Winner, 2023 first-round draft pick, Dalton Kike. Three catches for 45 yards, 21-yarder in the middle. Beautiful. I've loved what I've seen from Dalton Kincaid pretty much as the first time I saw him at practice during camp. Didn't really play much at all or do anything against Indy, but he was on the field a lot early on for the Bills. Probably the biggest bright spot on their first team offense on Saturday, which overall um, did not do much. Should be noted too, Dawson Knox didn't play. So we didn't get true um, any true indication on how the Bills might use them early in the regular season, how much two tight end personnel they're going to use versus three wide receivers, so on and so forth. But what I'm feeling more and more, even though tight end has historically been in a position where rookies start slow and it takes sometimes a couple of years to really start to produce. We've seen it with Dawson Knox. In fact, I don't know, man, I, I feel like, I feel like Dawson or, or Dalton Kincaid, he's just a different cat. And I hate calling him a tight end, even though he is one, but I feel like he's almost more of a positionless player, but I don't know what it's going to be. Whether he's that big slot and three wide receiver sets or two tight end sets, whether he's playing in line as a tight end, whether he was an H-back, whatever it is, they're going to find ways to get him the football because he's really good. He's smooth. His hands are smooth. His speed is smooth. His route running is really smooth. There's a lot to like about Dalton Kincaid. And we saw some of it certainly on a nice little taste on Saturday. So that was fun. I got him in the winner column. Also in the winner column, Trent Shurfield. Um, he had a 21-yard catch in the middle of the field. I don't remember if it was from Barkley or Kyle Allen. I'm pretty sure it, was, it must have been Barkley because it was in the first half. Um, great catch. Got hit hard. Held on to the ball. I've been a big Trent Shurfield guy since pretty much the beginning of training camp. Since the Bills signed him, um, I like what he brings to the table. He could play for Gabe Davis. He could play for Stefan Diggs. He could play on the outside and put Stefan Diggs in the slot at times. He could play the slot himself. Good blocker, good on special teams. Um, I think he he really showed well for himself on Saturday, and he was right in that mix. He played a lot of snaps with the starters, and I think that's pretty telling, especially because Stefan and Gabe did play in this game. Unlike when Stefan didn't play against the Colts, and you really couldn't tell too much. I think Trent Shurfield is very firmly in the mix to be that starting third wide receiver when the Bills have uh, three wide receivers on the field. And the other guy, too, depending on what they're doing, is, is uh, Deontay Hardy as well. Which brings me to uh, a loser from this game, and, and that would be Khalil Shakir. It's not that he played bad. You know, I had him in the losing column week one against the Colts for a different reason, because he made a great 21-yard catch. Um, he, he made a great catch on the sideline. But then he dropped an easy ball on third down. The Bills had to punt or I had to settle for a field goal because of his drop. And that's been the book on Shakir, inconsistency. He makes the really hard plays and blows the easy ones far too often. Plus, he's not a great blocker. Um, I, I noticed, because I pay attention to sometimes a lot of the little things at camp, every time I seen the Bills run first-team offense out and every time they were in a three-wide receiver set, 
it was always Khalil Shakir getting those first reps, almost always. And he started at that third wide receiver in week one against the Colts. But this time, I got him in the losing column. This is why I got him here. He only played two snaps. In three offensive series, he only got two snaps with Josh Allen in the first teamers. And you ain't going to tell me, well, they already got Khalil Shakir. They already know what he could be, what he could do. And maybe they don't want to show you anything. No, nah, no. Nah. His spot is in trouble right now on this depth chart. I don't know about the roster. More on that in a second. But I think his his status with the, in the depth chart is in big trouble. I think Trent Shurfield and Deontay Hardy both might have passed him in the depth chart. So I got him as a loser primarily for that reason. Um, winner, Justin Shorter. We're going to stick with the receivers here. Scored a touchdown. He looks really good, man. I... I'm willing to bet you money, whatever you want to bet, man. Hit me up at Patrick Moran TV on Twitter and uh, we, we can bet. I'll give you any odds you want because your boy is making this roster straight up. He's a fifth round pick. The Bills like him. Year one of a four year cost controlled team friendly contract. A guy that they could develop, a guy I think they believe in, a guy who is big. Play that outside boundary receiver pretty well. You know, get better. A guy who's really good on special teams, too. He's a lock. He is making this roster. If he got cut for whatever reason, I 100% guarantee you somebody's picking him up on waivers. So if you think maybe the Bills want to keep a, a, you know, a different veteran receiver, and because he's only a fifth-round rookie, well, you can, and I've heard a couple, don't think this is uh, out of this world. Because I've heard people or seen people on Twitter literally say this. If you think the Bills could cut Justin Shorter and he'll clear waivers, only being a fifth-round rookie, and then the Bills just put him on the practice squad and develop him, if that's what you're tweeting or what you're thinking, you're nuts. You're nuts. Because he's not going to clear waivers. He's straight up not clearing waivers. Then again, it ain't going to matter because he's straight up not going to hit waivers because the Buffalo Bills are not cutting Justin Shorter. He has made this football team. And if it was only 99% before Saturday, Saturday made it 100% on the nose. He ain't going nowhere. Uh, flip side, loser. Not because of anything he did wrong, but Andy Isabella. Now, he returned kicks the whole game, or at least most of the game I know he did anyway. That's good. I still think ultimately it could be Deontay Hardy, but maybe they wanted to see what they can get for, out of Andy Isabella there. Um, he had a nice catch for, 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 I think it was 19 yards, but I have him in this column for the biggest reason, just like with Khalil Shakir, when the offense, the starters were out there and Josh was out there, he didn't play. He didn't play. So he only got a handful of snaps the whole game, caught that one pass. And then they pretty much got him off the field right after that, which makes me wonder. It's like. Do they get him off the field because, all right, we've seen, you know, what we need to see from him and we want to see some of the younger guys more? Or, and this is what I'm starting to lean towards thinking, they don't want to show him, they don't want to highlight him too much because they don't want attention drawn from around the league. Unlike Justin Shorter, where I said, ain't no way in hell he's getting cut and there ain't no way in hell he would ever clear waivers if he did. Can't say that about Andy Isabella. That could happen. He could get cut. He could potentially clear waivers. And then the Bills put him on the practice squad. I think that could happen. So, I don't know. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to, from what I've seen Saturday, only play him a little bit. 
Let him do his thing and, and then get him on the practice squad. Don't draw too much attention with him making big plays in the slot for, for people who are watching these game tapes in the preseason uh, around the league. I've said it. The Bills' path, his path to making this roster, it has to go through Khalil Shakir, and that's it. Because the Bills, I, I cannot see them keeping seven wide receivers. I just can't. They keep six, and Gabe, and Stephon, and Sherfield and Hardy, there's four. Justin Short is a lock. He's five. Khalil Shakir is the lone path to Andy Isabella making this team. Has to be. If there's a battle left, and if this isn't decided already, that's your battle on the offense going into this final preseason game. One of those two guys make the team. And I'm not, you know, I would have said a couple of weeks ago it was 100% Khalil Shakir's on this football team. And I still think ultimately the Bills probably do keep him first because he is a fifth-round guy and he's only going into year two with his contract. So you got him for three years at a, at a pretty cheap rate. You can still develop him more. But his inconsistency and, and Andy Isabella's speed, and it's not like Andy Isabella is some kind of like Cinderella story, some unknown Brandon Riley guy trying to make this team because of a magical preseason and training camp. This is a former second-round draft pick. He, he's a big prospect, or he was a big prospect when he came into this league in 2019. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, that is a big battle. Neither guy really did much to, to step up on Saturday and put a stranglehold on that, so I got them both in the loss column uh, for that. Two more here, and then we're out. Loser, again, second straight week. Stupid, dumbass penalties. Last, I thought last week was bad against Indy. I think they had eight penalties for, where was it? Eight penalties for 59 yards. That's freaking child's play compared to how bad and undisciplined this team was with penalties in Pittsburgh. They had eight penalties in the first half. First half. 13 for the game. 13 penalties for 93 yards. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh, just four for 26. I don't give a shit if it's a regular season game or if it's just a preseason game where all you really care about is not getting hurt. You already know your starters. It doesn't mean shit to you. All you care about is not getting hurt. I don't care what the circumstance is. When you commit 13 penalties for 93 yards and the opponent only commits four, you're going to have an unfavorable outcome a lot more than not. And I can guarantee you, I was going to say Sean McDermott's probably ripping the hair right out of his head, but I can guarantee you that he is very angry at that stat. Of all the shit that we've talked about today, that might make Sean McDermott more angry than anything else. And I kind of wish I covered Bill's practice. Like I had a credential. I would love to be in that building on Monday when Sean McDermott's addressing his team. There's going to be a lot of laps. There's going to be a lot of punishment handed out to this team for, for having 13 penalties for 93 yards. That's just ugly as shit and unacceptable. So big time in the loss column. And then the last one in the winner column is Josh Allen's arm. <laughs> I don't, you know, the starting offense did not look good. And let's be fair, okay? They're not running motion. They're not going to run any gadget plays. They're not trying to show you shit, just like any other team in the preseason. I get that. So there's a good chance that you're not going to have a lot of success with the first-team offense. Of course, unless you're the Pittsburgh Steelers just marching up and down the field on the Bills' first-string defense, which happened Saturday. I could keep going on, by the way, for days, giving out L's here and uh, their biggest winners or losers just on the defensive side alone. But anyway, back to the offense here. 
I my concern level on how the Bills look on offense Saturday in Pittsburgh is zero. It is literally zero percent. No, I take that back. It, it, it is it's ten percent. It's ten percent because of Spencer Brown. Spencer Brown accounts for all ten of those percent points. I am concerned about him at right tackle. And if he sucks as bad as he does on Saturday or he did on Saturday, that could be a problem for teams in their pass rush and the Bills being able to handle. They're gonna have to come up with some ways to kind of mask that a little bit. But anyway, my point was this that throw that Josh Allen made 35 yards the completion went for to Gabe Davis on the left sideline. An absolute bullet, a perfect throw, a nice catch too by Gabe. Um, getting the feet down in bounce as well. It it didn't count because of Spencer Brown. So whatever. But it was a 35-yard laser, and it was actually about 50 yards because he's about 15 yards behind the line when he threw that. Josh's arm looks great. Josh is good. He's in a good place. I'm not worried about this offense. So all in all, I just, I don't know. I just wanted to make sure that I put Josh Allen's arm here in uh the win column as we wind down. All right, that is going to do an effect for this episode of Talking Buffalo. Thank you very, very, very much. Again, I'll put it out there one more time. Uh, you can follow on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at Patrick Moran TV, Facebook, and YouTube. Just type in Talking Buffalo Podcast. And again, on the video side, I'm going to ask this one more time. If you're watching this on YouTube, please, please, please hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button, leave a comment. I can't tell you enough. It really does help with the algorithm. It helps us get more eyes and ears that come to uh, this show. So thank you very much for tuning in. Not sure what we're doing for the entirety of this week yet, but I do know Anthony uh, Marino from Buffalo Rumblings will be joining me on Wednesday. So make sure you look for that. Again, thank you. Take care. And we'll talk plenty more Buffalo Bills, Sabres, and all kinds of stuff this week here on Talking Buffalo. Take care.